there were a lot of rumors uh, and, and reports in the media that recommendation was going to include drastic reductions of meat consumption in uh, Western nations. That turned out not to be true. The recommendation that they made across two different reports consistently is that the most important ways that we can align our industry to a 1.5 degree roadmap uh, is to scale up sustainable productivity growth uh, of livestock. And so really implementing best practices around the world that uh, reduce livestock's impact while maintaining uh, its livestock ability to feed people uh, healthy protein that is uniquely nutrient dense uh, and not necessarily replaceable from other sources. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, the acronym COP means something to some people. And one thing it means recently is, is really a conference of the parties. And there's been many of them. And they're talking about the future of the world, no less. And I'm happy to have a guest with me today that was in the midst of the most recent conference of the parties looking at, at the future of the world. And I want to welcome Eric Mittenhall. And Eric is with the American Meat Institute. You're the chief strategy officer with the American Meat Institute. And Eric, I think you might have been lucky that you had to go across around the world and participate in this big event, this conference of the parties, which we're all hearing about. Was it worth the trip? It was absolutely worth the trip. Yes. Um, you know, it is a massive event. I'm very honored to be able to go and represent the meat industry uh, in Dubai. Uh, it's a lo it's a long way to go, but there's so much conversation happening about food and agriculture issues there now that did not used to occur. That being there and being a part of the discussions and sharing the commitments that our industry has made is really important for us. And so it was uh, an honor to be there, and uh, I learned a lot. You know, you think about something like this and you think that, well, food and agriculture is coming up. They're going to be talking about our industry, our members. I mean, you have to feel like you need to be there. I mean, you hope that you could come and learn something from it, make other contacts. But but also, to me, I would just start off hoping they don't do anything terribly damaging to an industry, too. You know, I think with all of the good intentions, it just makes me nervous that bad things might be able to happen. You know, one of the good things that happened, it sounds like they finally uh, confessed to focusing on fossil fuels, at least some of the early stories. But then, you know, fossil fuels needs to be focused on, no doubt, when you talk about climate change. But then there, Eric, there's a lot of people that believe that there has to be a lot more attention to food and agriculture. And again, that just makes me nervous. I, I shouldn't be suspicious or just want to believe everybody's going to have best intentions but when they're want to look at food and agriculture it, it, there has to be some risk that they could come up with some ideas that are not well thought through and could be damaging there are absolutely risks and you know at cops you have world leaders making non-binding commitments to you know, make make national uh, decisions for reducing their climate impacts. 
Um, those commitments have largely been focused on the energy sector to this point, which is, I think, most appropriate because that's the sector that uh, commits, uh, ha- has had the biggest impact uh, through the use of fossil fuels. Um, but more and more in recent years, there have been calls for food and agriculture to be a part of the commitments that come out of COP. And so you know, the people who are engaged in those negotiations don't necessarily are, are not necessarily involved in food and agriculture. Um, you have much larger contingents of farmers who have participated in recent years. And you have now uh, folks from throughout the food and agriculture industry going um, because we want to make sure that if, if commitments are made, that there is a strong understanding of how food is raised around the world and the potential consequences, um, often unintended, of, of making commitments related to food and agriculture because food and agriculture are different than energy production. Um, feeding people is a requirement and the uh, our diets support our health. And so if you make decisions that don't incorporate the importance of healthy diets and, and the ways that food supports our health um, is, is really critical and maintaining food security around the world as well. Um, we have to make sure that we are able to feed a growing population effectively with strong nutrition. And that is a key piece of the puzzle that needs to be included in any discussion um, and commitments that come out of COP. You know, a vision I have of this uh, event is like the entire city is filled with, you know, people coming in from all over the world and there are conferences going on and, you know, various hotel rooms and at the conference centers and so forth. And yet there's got to be like a main room where ultimate decisions are made. It's hard to envision how that kind of all filters around. I do understand how you need to be there and to get the conversations, but how do you, in addition to just watching what's going on and being there to answer questions and provide more information, is there any any way that you can uh, be able to provide inputs into the central report that they say, hey, wait a minute, food and agriculture is coming up. Let's call Eric and these other people that represent farmers in America or wherever else and see if this is a, a reasonable suggestion. Does Does that happen? Not directly. Um, you know, there, there's there's kind of two, that was actually three different COPs that occur all at one time. And it's all in a very centralized location. Um, there are not hotel, it's not really hotel based. Um, it's usually a, a big event space in Dubai. It was where they hosted the World Expo in 2021. Um, really a massive complex uh, that is their expo center. And it, it was it's made up almost of a, a mini city of uh, you know, buildings around a campus. Um, you know, they have uh, a, a main area where the negotiations happen. Um, and those negotiations are really surrounding the official language and declarations that will come out of COP. Um, the final result was a commitment to um, to reductions in fossil fuel use around the globe. There was a great amount of negotiation that occurred around that. You know, world leaders and, um, you know, climate envoys from governments are the ones who are engaged in those specific negotiations. Um, there, then there is also a, a wide range of events on every topic that is imaginable related to climate occurring in the surrounding uh, buildings throughout the two weeks. 
And sometimes the negotiators, you know, it's meant to be the negotiators go to these other places as a, as an opportunity to, um, you know, get informed on on various issues of interest. Uh, I'm not sure that's exactly how it occurs, but you have people who are interested in all these topics um, engaged in the discussions that are occurring in these various pavilions that are both country pavilions. So you have uh, pavilions from um, different regions of the world. The U.S. had a pavilion where they're highlighting specific work that's occurring in the U.S. related to climate. And then you have topical pavilions, which are focused on specific topics. And so there were multiple food-focused pavilions. There was a Food and Agriculture of the Americas pavilion, which we were very active in. There was a pavilion on uh, just food systems, a uh, pavilion called Food for Climate. There's one that the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations uh, hosts that was just a, a food pavilion. And they host discussions about various topics in food and agriculture and how they relate to the climate. And the the, the discussions and the way it trickles is, you know, they're... they're there tends to be um, kind of a general direction uh, and themes around those discussions. And, you know, it may not make it to the formal negotiations this year, but the themes that come out of the overall event impact discussions moving forward at, at a global level and, and with governments that can inform future years. And so, you know, food and agriculture, there are specific negotiations around language for food and agriculture that actually did not result in an outcome. Um, they will continue at future events. Um, and, and so, you know, as as we're discussing these issues in, in all of the other pavilions, um, again, it, it, it connects into to the way that that's discussed in the future. And right now, food and agriculture is not a part of the formal big COP decision, but is there are negotiations around the um, you know the food and ag specific language you know it, it could get incorporated in the future, um, and you want to be able to make sure that um, you know what is in each level um, it, you know effectively represents you know food and agriculture production to ensure healthy people and a healthy planet. Let's talk a minute or two about who you represent. Yeah, so the the meat institute, our members are meat companies who produce ninety five percent of the red meat in the U.S. beef, pork, lamb, veal, and the majority of the poultry as well. Um, we are also partnered with uh, uh, all of our uh, producers in the supply chain, the organizations that represent them. So uh, our protein packed work aims to unite the various sustainability efforts that have evolved in individual species supply chains. So we're partnered with the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, the National Pork Board, um, the uh, Dairy uh, Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy and Dairy Management, Inc., uh, American Feed Industry Association, um, as well as uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation, uh, animal health companies like Alanco. Um, You know, all of them work with us to unite the sustainability work. And so we're, we're really there representing the whole of the supply chain and telling the story of animal agriculture and how it supports healthy people and a healthy planet and making sure that both of those are covered uh, and really demonstrating the commitments and progress we're making towards those commitments in a, in a real um, meaningful way. So before you ever made the trip, there must have been a lot of, of meetings and exchange of information to be able to get a common platform because you represent the whole meat industry and everyone that raises livestock in the United States. That's a big responsibility. Uh, how long and how intensive was the work leading up to it? 
Well, the work we've been doing uh, has been going on for many years, and it, it's not specifically related to COP. The, the protein-packed work uh, is something that launched in 2021 officially um, with a, a couple of years of work uh, leading up to that um, to ensure that we have a framework, which we do um, at the Meat Institute for measuring our members' uh, impacts for uh, animal welfare, environmental impacts, um, food safety, human health and wellness, and labor and human rights. Uh, we want it to be really comprehensive, and we want it to tie into the work that's occurring elsewhere in the industry. And so we were very particular in developing our framework that it is aligned with all of those groups I mentioned in beef and pork and poultry and dairy and feed, um, ideally allowing the data to be consistent throughout the supply chain, when we go to COP, you know, all of that groundwork has been laid. Um, we have, as an industry, begun to collect data to demonstrate where we are currently and uh, have goals for making progress between now and 2030 and how we're going to reach those goals. And then we're taking that story to COP to be able to share the proof of what we're doing. Um, and the proof is really critical. We have to be able to show that you know, there is meaningful uh, work and data uh, being put behind uh, our efforts, and that we have a plan for how we're going to improve our uh, climate impact and um, and demonstrate our, our commitments for healthy people as well. So all of that is is ongoing work. That is our strategy at the Meat Institute, and um, you know, COP is just one place that we bring it. Um, COP is a very large, influential place, but we bring our message and our examples to a variety of audiences, um, including policymakers in the U.S. and around the world. Um, we connect to um, health professionals like registered dietitians. We talk to sustainability leaders um, throughout uh, the country as well, um, and also connect with our own industry to make sure that we're sharing the work that we're doing within our own industry. So. Uh, it is a very comprehensive platform. Uh, we're really proud of it. Uh, it's something that I think is very unique within the industry, and uh, and we've really made great strides in bringing together the industry as a whole to uh, to show how we are committed to Wait, this. That that seems like a large task. I mean, certainly there are people in the country that question whether climate change is being overrated or not. But for you even to get people together in all these industries, you have to start with an acceptance of the fact that no, there is an issue here. It's got the world's attention. And uh, we have a good story to tell. And no doubt we can do better. And we're going to be able to show how we're committed to making improvements. Am I am I putting too many words in your mouth there? No, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. And, and so the foundation of what we're working towards is earning greater consumer trust and aligning with consumer values. And consumers don't currently buy meat and poultry based on environmental concerns. I think the research is pretty clear on that. But they are also bombarded with all kinds of messages about how meat and poultry and, and dairy and eggs uh, align with their values. And um, a lot of that messaging is related to our environmental impact and our nutrition impact um, and how we treat animals and how we treat workers. And so we have to be able to show the proof of how we are improving all those things, um, how we are aligning with consumer values um, to make sure that that consumers are able to see transparently, um, you know, what, what the industry is doing. And, you know, COP is one of those places where, um, you know, the, the, the messages that come out of that and the direction around food and agriculture 
can absolutely influence conventional wisdom about our products. And so we want to make sure that, that the conventional wisdom about our products is consistent with the things that we're doing as an industry um, that we feel like we have made really strong, uh, put really strong efforts towards um, to demonstrate our contribution to healthy people and a healthy planet. So you've got representatives, including yourself, that are getting on a plane. And in addition to your passports, you've got some some statements. Have you've got uh, you have a position or policies or recommendations you take with you, and and you head to a venue where you can uh, make those presentations while you're in Doha. Yeah, we 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 participated in several different uh, events there. Um, where we're we're bringing forward. Are the examples of what we're doing as an industry, uh, both through our voice at the Meat Institute, but also through our partners. Um, we had a, a beef producer there. We had represent, representation from uh, pork and feed uh, and dairy, where we we plugged in those people to share the specific on the ground work that's occurring. Um, that is, uh, you know, very positive. Um, the data that we have to back that up. And the work that we're putting in towards uh, advancing uh, in, in the future. And so there's not necessarily a specific policies as much as the proof points of what the industry is doing and, and how we're going to work towards that between now and 2030. So how can you tell what success you've had? I understand kind of now how you build it up and you've got a good story to tell and you're there and you're able to tell it. But do you find things come up while you're at an activity like this, like COP, that you have to say, well, we have to react to this. Uh, this is coming up and perhaps they're off track and we need to correct it. We need to get some you know, different information together and, and so forth. So do you have to do a certain amount of improvising? Oh, there's absolutely improvising. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there are so many discussions occurring and so many different statistics and data being cited. Um, you know, we, we we know what we're doing as an industry, and and we've really evolved considerably from for us an organization that had never collected data from our members in a consistent way to now for two years have uh, have had our ninety percent of our uh, industry by volume participate in sharing data on uh, more than ninety metrics that that demonstrate where our companies are now and uh, where we're moving forward into the future. Um, and so, again, we want to bring those proof points forward at an event like COP. But at, at COP, there were, they were specifically putting out, um, the FAO was putting out a roadmap for uh, achieving a 1.5 degree uh, food system, that a food system that aligns with the 1.5 degree uh, goals. And there were a lot of rumors uh, and, and reports in the media uh, ahead of COP that that recommendation was going to include drastic reductions of meat consumption in uh, Western nations. Um, that turned out not to be true. And it was really interesting that uh, somehow uh, false information got leaked to the media. Um, but we were very prepared. I think we, we wanted to know more about what that report was going to say What's the scientific underpinning that suggests uh, that leads to that suggestion um, and, and being able to highlight the data that we have that may uh, suggest otherwise, um, you know, if, if, if in, in the potential implications of making that recommendation, um, you know, it turns out that that was not the recommendation that they made. 
the recommendation that they made across two different reports uh, consistently is that the most important ways that we can align our industry to a 1.5 degree uh, roadmap is uh, is to scale up sustainable productivity growth uh, of livestock. Um, and so really implementing best practices around the world that uh, reduce livestock's impact while maintaining uh, its, its livestock ability to feed people uh, healthy protein that is uniquely nutrient dense um, and uh, and not necessarily replaceable from other sources. And so one of the reports that came out indicated that um, that reducing meat consumption uh, actually has a fairly limited impact. Um, the biggest impacts are really around uh, adopting uh, production practices that um, that, that are, are, are more advanced. And so that's what we're doing as an industry. That's what, that's what we've done for years and years and years. There's still advancements to be made. Um, but trying to bring the science and the technologies forward that allow for animals to be raised more efficiently and more productively, uh, is the best pathway. And that's something that in the U S um, we have the expertise to do and to share and uh, and to drive forward, and so we 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 want to make sure that we're doing that. You know that's huge, Eric. That's such a big thing, and I, I haven't seen that in any of the summaries so far, and I haven't seen your summary so far too. But recognition of that fact, where the conversation isn't just well, how many how many cows and how many pigs and you know how about these cows, all the burping these cows are doing, but instead of just looking at the the amount of livestock or the amount people are producing could be getting back into some progress because it should be something related more to the carbon or methane related to the amount of protein that's produced so if you've got places that are really really inefficient uh, proportionately they're putting a, a lot more you know carbon out there than really what you can justify with what there is protein to consume. And I didn't say that as well as Frank Mitlerner can say it and some of the others. But what you're saying, it seems like that is a really big deal. It's a very big deal. And we've proven we can feed a lot of people using fewer resources. Um, our industries have done that over many years. There are further improvements to be made there. But I think, again, that's something that, that the industry works on every single day. And we're, we're committed to continuing to make those and to share those resources around the world um, so that others can do it as well. And that was the clear finding. Uh, it, is a, it is a big deal uh, that that's the finding. And uh, we're, we're committed to being a part of that solution. Well, congratulations. I think that was definitely a, a worthwhile trip. And, and I think that to see that kind of progress taking place, I hope we read and hear more about it going forward. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that are just against livestock production and meat consumption will be disappointed. But, uh, but this just makes so much sense for consumers and for really farmers, too, all, all over the world. And I'm looking forward to seeing other, other reports that are coming out. And that just brings me to a point that um, we should tell people how they can find out. I mean, they can listen to Farm to Table Talk podcast, but... Um, is there a source online uh, that you're going to be posting these results for uh, people from consumers to farmers that want to understand better this uh, this progress and what resulted from the COP activities? 
Yeah, we post about it pretty actively uh, on our LinkedIn channels. Um, is, is probably the place where we we put it the most. Um, and so I would I would encourage folks to check out the Protein Pact uh, on, on any social media platform. Uh, LinkedIn, I think, is the one that uh, we found to be most engaging. But we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on X slash Twitter, uh, we're on um, Instagram as well. And so uh, pushing out. Uh, the details uh, in those forums. Um, we have a website, theproteinpact.org, that has a lot more details on everything that we're doing. Um, you know, the, the reports themselves are pretty uh, in the weeds. So if, if you know you really want to get into the nitty gritty of the science, uh, you know, th- th- those are available. But I think the high level messages, um, you know, we're, we're, we are going to be pushing out and making sure that. Uh, those findings from the FAO uh, released during COP will be uh, shared, and we'll, we'll certainly push those out in all of our our work moving forward. So you said proteinpact.org, protein the, P-A-C-T dot org. The, the proteinpact.org. The proteinpact.org. Well, I'm sure that there's people in land-grant universities all over the, the country that are going to be saying, gee, that's great news. We're being recognized for some progress we're making already, and there's so much more that we can do from a research standpoint. And I think, uh, you know, ranchers and farmers are going to be reassured. So I, I think that's, um, I think that's huge. And, and it's such a busy week. I really appreciate your taking the time to give this summary because I have to tell you, the conversation we're having today is not something I've been reading in the reports coming so far. So I'm looking forward to your team getting more of that information out. And again, I, I want to thank you for this work. I think it's a. It sounds to me like it was well worthwhile. There, there is great opportunity for the farmer and rancher voice and the voice of experts, researchers from land grant universities to be more active, sharing uh, their their work and their lives at COP. Um, it is a, a complex place to get into. You have to be bad, have badges and only they only give out a certain number of badges and you have to have a place to uh, actually share your content, which is a whole other uh, planning uh, nightmare. But um, I, our, our goal is to find pathways to better amplify the farmer rancher voice there. Uh, as well as the researcher voice, um, particularly the work that's occurring at land grant universities. And I think that can apply throughout all of agriculture, not just animal agriculture. So, um, you know, for folks who are interested, uh, you know, we, we would love to be engaged. And I think there's a great opportunity there moving forward. Where's the next one? The next one uh, is going to be in Baku, uh, Azerbaijan, um, which was uh, actually just announced last week. Uh, normally, COPs are announced a couple of years in advance. Uh, the COP in two years is going to be in Brazil. Um, and I think for food and agriculture, that will be a particularly, uh, th- there will be a lot of focus there. Um, it's kind of unknown right now what the uh, Baku COP will entail um, since the planning for that is a little bit behind schedule. So it could be a little bit smaller. Um, we'll have to see over the next year, but I think you know, next couple of years, uh, looking ahead to Brazil in particular, um, there will be opportunities. Well, I I hope people start figuring out they got to find Azerbaijan on the map and rec- recognize that they're going to go further than they have ever flown in their life to be able to get there. But it could be a pretty important meeting, and and again, I I really think you've made a, a lot of progress, and I think it's good news for consumers and for farmers. And we look forward to that growing in the future. So, again, thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson.